Welcome to EdTech Examined, a series about educational technology and what you need to know. I'm Eric Christensen. And I'm Chris Hans. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of EdTech Examined. In this special bonus episode, we're going to talk about back to school uh, and just give you kind of some hints and tips uh, to get you ready for the fall. Uh, so uh, we'll just get started. Um, how's it going, Eric? It's going well. It is colder in the morning. I like to go for very early morning walks uh, before either you and I chat or before I start work in the library, kind of from home. In the library from home. That sounds weird. Uh, yeah, so it is cooler now. I can certainly feel fall rolling in. It doesn't feel like as much summer which is fine. I look forward to the winter season. I like skiing and stuff like that, but it's a little bit sad. If I do a morning bike ride, yeah, I really I've feel it. I that too, for sure. So, But that's okay. It's fresh. It feels very fresh. Like I love the fresh fall air. I find it, it kind of reminds me of back to school. I know it's back to school when it's that yeah. crisp air. Somewhat refreshing too. Mm-hmm. And there's no smoke from forest fires, which is a bonus. So like, I'm, I'm yeah. very grateful for that. So uh, one of the things that I was thinking of um, is, uh, especially with the fall, using different devices. And uh, one of the things I was looking at doing was getting a new tablet. And specifically, uh, what caught my eye was um, Apple uh, had a promotion where they're giving away free AirPods right now, uh, just uh, with any well, not every type of uh, iPad. There's certain types, but uh, with the with certain types of uh, iPads, and uh, so just wanted to kind of get your take on that. Like, what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, so I'll give people a bit of a background. I mean, and we're going to go through other devices, not just tablets. But I, I think Apple has a pretty long tradition of doing some sort of fall back to school promotion. So I'll point out that this is this can be taken advantage of by students, as well as um, teachers or faculty at a university. I mean, basically, the way what you have to do is that if you go to apple.com or in Canada, apple.com uh, slash CA, if you go to the bottom of the page under footer, uh, there's a section that says for education. And what you want to do is click on shop for university. And that will bring you to the education pricing for Apple. So insider pro tip, Apple typically has education pricing all year around for their devices. Uh, it's pretty good. So, I mean, I bought a, I, I mean, I'm an instructor now, so I can, I can afford a little bit more expensive of a computer, but I wanted a you know, computer for audio editing, a new Mac. I bought a 16 inch MacBook Pro, the base model. And I got a $200 discount from education. And the same goes for iPads and stuff, though not to the same degree. I think you save 70 or 80 bucks, at least in Canada. Maybe it's different in the States. Every year they've given away in the fall, back to school, um, something with your purchase. So depending on what you purchase, they give things away. So in the past, it's been Beats Air, uh, earbuds, over-the-ear headphones, things like that. This year, it is AirPods. So Apple's true wireless earbuds. So uh, yeah, they're giving away free AirPods. 
And I think you can get these AirPods if you buy a MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, MacBook Pro 16 inch, iMac, iMac Pro, as well as uh, any of the iPad Pros, iPad Air. Can you get it with the base no. iPad, Chris? I was no, trying to find that out. Yeah, no, that's the so one. They okay. basically are, they've factored in some type of margin or what have you. But still, like, you know, normally those AirPods alone are about 200 bucks. And that's why it, it becomes a little bit appealing. I mean, I was going to get a, a pair for my wife anyways. So uh, I thought, okay, well, that's 200 bucks that I get right off the bat. Uh, but in the past, I think a lot of times they just have like, you know, iTunes uh, cards that you get or something. Yeah, this is a particularly good year. They've actually really stepped up in the last couple of years. They're um, uh, back to school promotion. I'm just seeing, I'm curious what they've given in previous years. MacRumors.com is a website that I would recommend to all listeners. It is a really great record of all not only apple hardware rumors but also um the best time to buy apple products they have a buyer's guide that tell you that tells you um how long a product is out and they rank purchasing products as buy now meaning it was just updated neutral meaning that it's kind of in the middle of its life cycle uh, caution, meaning it's coming to the end of the life cycle, and don't buy, meaning that uh, it was just updated or something like that. So I'm looking at their back to school history here, and it looks like the last few years, it depends on the country, um, there's definitely been beats over the year headphones in the past so that's probably equally as expensive wireless headphones but you're right a lot of them is like a credit or a gift card or some other kind of thing they don't always offer uh, headphones of this type so this is a particularly good deal this year yeah and i think probably for them as well it's just to keep their momentum going especially with, given the economic situation but yeah so i basically uh, uh, you know i already have my uh, laptop and so I, I thought okay well haven't had an ipad for a while funny enough uh, for our work i bought an ipad years ago i can't even find it we thought we had this bright idea in our heads that we would take it along with us to client meetings to show people some of the work that we're developing for them and didn't really do much of that. So <laughs> I think at most what we did was use it for testing out things that we're working on. And um, but anyway, so I can't find that particular one. And I thought, well, you, you've been using the iPad quite a bit now. And so maybe I can step up my um, the iPad game now. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, people used to laugh at me when I used the iPad for productivity. So he here's my pitch on the iPad. And I want, I want to set a caveat. And like I said, you and I are going to talk about some computers as well. So we're not just talking about iPads today, but we thought we would kick it off this way. I don't think the iPad is a computer replacement, but it can be your school travel device if you have a computer at home or if you say use a lot of the university computers as a student or things like that so it's a good ancillary device it will become good enough to be a standalone computer in the short term it will happen the updates that have been happening to ipad os 
are incredible. It does multitasking. Uh, the iPad does does mouse support at this point, uh, cursor support that is brilliantly, perfectly implemented for a touch device. I, I was very skeptical that Apple would be able to do, pull this off, and they really did. I have a, we've talked in other episodes, I have a vertical mouse. I bought the same one you did, a Logitech. I can connect it to multiple Bluetooth devices. I connect it to my new 2020 11-inch iPad Pro, and it is a flawless experience. And I can pair my computer to it and the mouse instantly, and I can use keyboard shortcuts to move between windows and, and select apps and do all sorts of stuff. So I've been using the iPad as a productivity device for a long time. I would say now is a good time to get into it if you want to use it for school or note taking or writing your paper. It is a smaller screen, so if it's your only device, uh, a really big iPad Pro is like a 13 inch tablet, so that's more equivalent to a laptop. An 11 inch and smaller gets, it gets a little bit tight when you're trying to run multiple apps, but it can be done. And I've been using an iPad as my work note taking, always in hand, Kind of instead of those leather portfolios yeah. with the paper pads, I actually use, I actually, when I worked at the University of Alberta, I worked in the Faculty of Education. And I took one of those, I had a leather uh, folio opener that I got from when I did kind of a summer internship job at the city of Edmonton. I still have it. It's a beautiful opener. I have a, had a pad of paper in there. I had a notebook in there that I liked. I had a sleeve that, I, that would fit the iPad and at that time, that was the iPad Air, the first generation. And I could slip that with a smart cover into the side. And I had a stylus for the iPad that was pre-Apple Pencil. And I had everything I could hold in my hands. I didn't need a bag. I didn't need anything. And it ran OneNote. Um, I use a writing app called IA Writer. We talked about that in our, in our last episode for, for note-taking and writing. I've been using it with a keyboard. I've had multiple keyboards for iPads. It is a good productivity device. There's lots you can do on it. So I think it's a great device for students. And more and more, I see students even with the entry-level iPad, because now they all support the Apple Pencil, their stylus, in my library sessions taking handwritten notes because they want they don't want to carry tons of paper, but they want that handwritten style and they want to be able to search the notes after they've they've written them. And thanks to the apps and Apple's character recognition you can search your handwritten notes i mean i can write handwritten notes and apple notes and i have pretty bad i have very good printing on paper but not so much on a stylus it's a different feel it took me a long time to get it right apple can still search pretty much 99 percent of what i write down it's pretty incredible actually so it's a fantastic productivity device were you curious about you know which models to yeah, get? Yeah, no, for why? sure. And that that was kind of the thing. I was uh, again, I wasn't familiar with it. I mean, there is a bit of a price jump when you go to the pro, and uh, and that's mm -hmm. where uh, you know you suggested maybe checking out this Mac rumors and seeing when the the devices have been released. Yeah, I mean, so Mac rumors is useful. The only thing is that Mac rumors can be a bit scary. So remember that Apple updates typically. I mean. It, it, it varies, but they typically update their iPads uh, and phones in the fall. Sometimes iPads get updated with um, the, uh, the latest tech in the spring. So I'll, I'll kind of work my way down uh, from, from the models. Maybe I'll go from, from uh, bottom to top. So at the bottom end of the spectrum, we have the iPad, and that's their entry-level iPad. It's good. 
it runs relatively old tech. And I'll put it in a caveat. Apple's silicon, meaning that their chips for their devices, and I and then people who listen to the show know that I use a lot of Apple products. So I, I'm not saying this is a fanboy. <laughs> I'm, I'm being completely honest with you. From everything that we know from computer benchmarks, um, it is by far the best mobile chip silicon on the market. I mean, it blows its competition out of the water. Android, tablets, phones, there's not a chip even that even comes close. I mean, Apple stuff is gonna go into their desktops soon. So, I mean, it's, it's not even a comparison. So the iPad is at kind of the bottom of the list. It runs, I think, the A10X Fusion chip, which came out in the, I'm gonna say the iPhone 7. So it's an older chip. That's how they keep the cost down. For students, it's okay. I think it's a good it's a good device. I would recommend going with this if you're really really budget conscious. If if you have a laptop or plan to buy a laptop as well, and you really want to get a you know an iPad entry level for say four twenty nine because that's what they cost, which is pretty reasonable, then this is a good way to go. If it's only a secondary device, if you want to make uh, the iPad more of a primary device, or you're going to use it more heavily than occasional and you're going to use it for more work i would at least recommend moving to the the ipad air so, so that's apple's kind of mid-range tablet all of these support the apple pencil you don't have to buy that but you, you can it's they have two generations of the apple pencil generation one which works on the ipad mini ipad and ipad air and then the second generation apple pencil with all the fancy magnetics is only on the ipad pro but regardless up until very recently i was using the first generation iPad stylus, and they're fantastic. In fact, in some ways I prefer the older design better. I find that smooth Apple Pencil a little bit grippier than the matte finish one that they came out with. But it's a good it's a good stylus. Um, the iPad Air has a little bit more power behind it. It uses an A12 processor, which was in one of their uh, fairly recent phones. The reason that's important, you don't have to know all of the chips and what they are, but the, the benefit of getting something that's mid-range or high range, especially when it comes out or closer to when it's released, is just it'll be updated longer. Apple's mobile devices typically get five plus years of software updates, which is pretty much unheard of in the Android space. So they are a very good value. I mean, they'll last someone through their entire degree. Yeah. Uh, so that's, a, that's an excellent value. And I would say that the iPad Air is 650 so you're talking a couple of hundred bucks but i think you, you get a bigger screen you get a 10.5 inch screen instead of you know 10.2 so that 10.5 doesn't seem like a lot i find that that's kind of the minimum productivity size so that's that would be my recommendation of course you can go up to the ipad pro i use an ipad pro i just upgraded to a new one i get the 11 inch i'm not a i'm not a big tablet user um and I was using the first generation iPad Pro for the past five years. And I really didn't have to update because I'm going to get all of the software updates. I'm still getting the latest software updates uh, on my smaller uh, first generation iPad Pro. So that's a five-year-old device still going strong, no lag, no slowdown whatsoever. So. I recommend when buying any tablet or laptop, try to get the best one that you can afford uh, because it's just gonna last longer. You're gonna have more software updates. The iPad Pro is a bit more of a commitment, however. It is expensive. 
I mean, you're looking at, even with education pricing, the iPad Pro 11 inch, which is probably sufficient, you're looking at 979. So I would say for most students, unless that's your only device that you're gonna buy and you're gonna work with that and say, you know, a home desktop to write papers or the keyboard and, and all that stuff, you'd probably be better off with an iPad Air or something as a mid-range is if you intend to purchase a computer or a laptop alongside it. Keep in mind too that these prices are just the tablet. You're gonna to wanna to have a case for it. Apple's cases are way overpriced, but they are nice. Um, the cases for the iPad Pro are a little bit weird too. They tend to go up in price because they, they don't magnetically clip like that, that cover, that smart cover that we've had for so long on the iPads. It doesn't really work with the iPad Pro design. So you need something that goes around the front and the back. So they charge even more for that. Uh, and then the stylus and then the keyboard, it gets really expensive. I mean, an iPad Pro setup that I have with no keyboard, just the case and the pencil and the extended warranty, because Apple's warranty is the only one that I would buy extended. You're talking 1500 bucks. So I think the iPad Air is probably the sweet spot. And I've only ever used, uh, previously to this, I've only ever used a cover, smart cover with my iPads or their kind of thin and light smart cover case that turns into a keyboard. I've never used a wraparound case. I've always had a place in my backpack, like a laptop thing that would protect it, or I'd have like a sleeve that I've put the iPad to. I don't like wrapping them in a case because of the weight. And sometimes it makes it weird to use the buttons and the stylus and how you grip the edges. The iPad is such a robust device and assuming you never drop it, which I don't. So perhaps I'm lucky that way, but I've always just used a, a cover and then put it in a sleeve of some kind, because then when you go to use it, it's a much more pleasurable and it's expensive to add those accessories to the, to the iPad pro. It really goes up in price before I, and I've been, I've been talking for a while here. I would also suggest that if you just want an iPad to look at stuff, that's not, but you don't want to look at a small phone screen or you want to just be able to take pocket notes and you want something really thin and light to carry alongside a, uh, a laptop, the iPad mini may also be a good device for you. That's basically the iPad Air, all the same internals, but in a much smaller form factor. So it, it's a, it's a good device. I'd also suggest that one of the reasons I suggest both the iPad Air or iPad Mini over the entry-level iPad is that there, there is a subtle difference in the screen that will make a big difference if you're looking at it for long periods of time. So the iPads, uh, the Air, Mini, and Pro have what we call laminated screen. So that means that there's no gap between the glass that covers the touch screen and the screen itself, where the cheapest iPad has a very, very small, what we call an air gap. So when you're writing with a stylus, it it's weird. You're not really quite connected to the screen. It, it's a little bit strange as a feeling. You also get a lot more reflection from a display that doesn't have uh, that has an oh, that has an air gap in it. So I think if you're going to be looking at the device for a long periods of time, uh, it's hard to describe. I would recommend if you can get in a store, make sure to wear your mask, be careful. Uh, if you look at them side by side, you'll really see the difference because one looks like you're kind of at a distance from the screen and the icons, and the other looks like you're actually touching the screen itself. 
you want something if you're going to spend a lot of time on it that is easier on the eyes and i think the display technology on the the air everything but the entry-level ipad is considerably better what do you think for the stylus yeah like which one to get, get? the first generation or the second well, I mean, you kind of have to get the first or second, depending on which iPad you buy. So, I mean, if you buy an iPad Pro, you can't use the first oh, generation okay. with it. You have to get the second. And that's because the first generation iPad stylus uses a lightning connector. So it's kind of a wacky connection. You have to take the cap off the stylus and then plug the stylus into the lightning port of the bottom of the iPad. So that's for the iPad, iPad Air, and iPad Mini. So it sticks out perfect to break it so be very careful i never had a problem it's an awkward charging and pairing method but it works the ipad pros are a little bit slicker because they have a flat edge on the side that's magnetized and the new pencil has a flat edge so you can just click it and it magnetizes to the ipad and inductively charges it wirelessly and that's what you get when you pay a thousand bucks for a tablet versus uh versus half the price though I will point out that I paid about the same price for my first iPad Pro as this one, and I had to work with the old stylus technology. So those technologies have filtered their way down the line. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, personally, what I basically looked at, I was kind of going between the iPad Air and the entry level Pro. Ultimately, I decided to go with the Pro just because there might be further. Um, uh, use of that just uh, given the uh, the capability of it and uh, how I justified it in my mind is that I was going to buy those airpods anyways so there's two hundred dollars and then you know there isn't that much of a price difference at the end of the day between the air and the iPad pro yeah there's not a huge when you're into that level I think the difference is really how much are you going to use the device right so I think the air is going to last a long time you'll have no regrets spending less money you get us i mean the ipad air the pro has a super high refresh display it's buttery smooth i can't describe it once you've seen it you can't unsee it uh, there's a few things but if you're not used to a tablet i don't know that someone would notice a huge difference they would probably they would probably prefer that money sitting there rrsp if they have one i think one thing i would i would note and i would tell users this uh apple Apple back to school, I believe this Apple back to school deal um, goes until somewhere new, somewhere until the end of September. So I think. Yeah, and then they, and they the always 20th, put, and they always 29th. put the caveats that uh, it's while supplies last, right? So who knows? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's September 29th, somewhere around then. Um, one thing to keep in mind, if, if you don't care about the, I mean, the educational discount, discounts you can always get. The deal is that you get the AirPods, which I think is worth it. Some people don't like getting an Apple device too and then it being updated right away. I don't really care that much anymore, especially if you buy at the high end because they support their stuff for so long and, you know, after a while you just don't care. If you do want to know, if you, the, the reason I bring this up is because the Apple prices typically don't go down. So what I usually recommend is buy a device closer to when it comes out from Apple because it's just going to be newer that much longer and get that much more support because they don't lower their prices. I mean, you can get a deal at Best Buy or Staples or something like that 
but you can go to macrumors.com and at the top of their website there's a buyer's guide and what macrumors does is they basically calculate based on all of the apple's products they look at the average number of days i just mentioned this but they look at the average number of days since uh, a product's release and they compare that to the average number of days before that product is refreshed so then they're able to give a judgment if you should buy it it's funny the ipad pro they've put as neutral right now rather than buy now even though it was only updated in march april because there's a rumor going around that there'll be a new ipad air 4 coming out alongside a pro perhaps this month some people are saying that the ipad air 4 will come out in 2021 you can get a little bit paranoid reading these rumors i think it's i think it's uh, if you can get a deal with free airpods it doesn't i think that well overcomes any buyer's remorse one should have uh, if, if, if the devices are updated. Because remember, you're going to get excellent support from Apple. They're, very, they're not a perfect company, but they're very good at supporting their devices long term. And they back up their warranties quite well, in my opinion. They do have a very high customer satisfaction rating. So I would say that the AirPods back to school, let's say you want to buy an iPad Pro, you're not sure if they're going to come out with an update this month or next month because they might release them fall. The last iPad Pro update was very minor, hardly at all an update, but except for the camera really. But if, if you can get a 200, dollars $200, $250 free pair of headphones with it, I think that's well worth it. You're gonna get great support. There's always something new coming around the horizon. So my advice to people is buy the best you can afford when you need it and don't look back. Yeah, no, for sure. And these AirPods are great. I've never owned them before. I just want to tell people, and I was very skeptical. I thought they were going to be a lot like those those wired earphones that Apple puts in the, the box with the iPhone. I thought it was going to be the same thing, but wireless. They're actually a lot better. They sound better. I mean, they're, they're open back headphones, so they don't create a perfect seal in your ears. Um, so bass and stuff isn't going to be as intense. The thing I like about them, though, is I like to go for really long walks and I like to listen to podcasts, sometimes music, but I don't like not being able to hear the traffic. So these open back wireless headphones are great if you want to be able to hear your surroundings. I think I think they're fantastic, to be honest. I, I was really skeptical. I have other wireless headphones. I have Bose over the year QC35s. I have a pair of uh, kind of running headphones that are made by Plantronics. Those ones are really solid. but. These AirPods are fantastic, and they pair and hold a connection better than anything I've had because of Apple's secret sauce. Yeah, right? and that's the thing, right? When you can control the hardware, um, theirs are just seamless. You put it in your ear, somehow it just recognizes it, and it'll start playing the, uh, the music or podcast or what have you right away. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I appreciate your question, Chris, about these iPads. I mean, I think, I think it's a good thing to bring up. I'd say iPad Air or up ideally for students i know that's at, that's saying recommending a bit more money but I, if you buy an ipad air at the very least you'll get the headphones you won't get that with the base model for back to school if you buy remember go to the ipad site and go to the bottom and go to shop for university that's how you have to get the deal you don't really have to prove anything i don't believe they ask for your enrollment they didn't for mine because i'm an instructor now but you know it's a great deal and you know you can buy a have a case from them. They have actually a few cases on the website, um, not just from Apple, but other brands. 
and you can kind of get everything all in one and, and you're on your way. Actually, one thing that uh, was interesting, what do you think about their new keypad that's like 400 bucks that they've released for the iPad Pro? Well, you raise a good point. So the iPad Pro, you know, it depends what you're doing, Chris. I mean, one of the things that's nice about Apple's stuff is that it works seamlessly, like you said. With the keyboard that they just released, so those for those who don't know, Apple's iPad Pros have a smart connector. Uh, all of the iPad Pros have a smart connector, but now that smart connector has moved its way downstream uh, to the iPad Air and the regular iPad. I think the iPad Mini is the only one that doesn't have it. The iPad smart connector is basically a proprietary connector that allows Apple to connect keyboards or theoretically other accessories, but they don't need to be. Ha they don't have to have a separate battery. And they don't need to be paired via Bluetooth or wireless. So they can work instantaneously and they just use a very minimal amount of battery from the iPad itself. I've had Apple's keyboards for like their smart folio keyboards for the original iPad Air. I actually preferred that design the most because it didn't have a wraparound case, Chris. It was just like a the smart cover that had a little bit of a t like a two-tiered thing it's hard to show go google it folks and you'll see how it kind of origamis out into a real keyboard but apple for the ipad pro update this year they still have a wraparound regular keyboard that you can get for the ipad pro so their their smart folio i bought their smart folio case not the keyboard and uh but basically you know it, it it's a keyboard all in one it's slick and then they released this floating keyboard this magic keyboard but it's as much as the entry-level iPad. And unless you're doing, unless you have the largest iPad and you have made it your absolute primary computer, I cannot recommend it at all, just based on price. I've used it, it's a fantastic keyboard, it has a built-in trackpad, it works flawless, it's fantastic. Uh, but Eric says uh, no-go on that one. Here's would be my recommendation instead. If you buy an iPad Air, and you think you may be typing on it, Apple's flip cover case keyboard is okay. Word of caution, I've gone through three of those case cover keyboards on my other iPad. They can only be bent so many times for those connections to maintain. Uh, they have a fairly high failure rate. If you look at Apple's smart cover keyboards for their older devices, they don't have the best uh, longevity. I loved the typing experience. I love that kind of fabric cover keys. It was spill proof. They're great. The iPad Pro Smart Folio keyboard. So there, there's two tiers of iPad Pro keyboards. There's like this case that unfolds into a keyboard, and then there's that super expensive floating one. Even the entry level keyboards for the iPads are like over $200, if not $250. And on the iPad Pro, the keyboard keys now touch the screen when you close the case. So if you type with your greasy fingers on that keyboard and then you go to open up the iPad, it's all dirty. It doesn't have, it does that nice, the whole point of these smart covers was that they had a microfiber lining so they would clean the screen. The, the new keyboards don't do that. So here's my recommendation if you want to type on the iPad. I recommend getting the iPad and I'd recommend if you get the iPad Air just to get a smart cover, Apple's a branded smart cover case or a wraparound case if you wish. If you get the iPad Pro, get you know the OtterBox case that they sell or get the smart folio that I did. They're all nice cases, even if they're overpriced. And if you wanna type, 
I'd recommend getting a very lightweight um, Bluetooth external keyboard. It's not very much. In my experience, I found that I do type on the iPad, but I didn't type enough that it warranted having the keyboard built into the case all the time. I'd rather have the stylus with me all the time as a writing tool than the keyboard. So if you want to get a, a good keyboard, uh, there's a particular, there's a bunch of them out there. You can go to the wire cutter, which is owned now by the New York Times. Um, you know, a bunch of stuff like that. But ultimately, Logitech makes some really nice keyboards. And you can pair these keyboards to multiple devices. The one that I'd recommend, the model, is called the K380 multi-device Bluetooth keyboard. It's lightweight, so you could use you could and it pairs to three devices. So let's say that you have a you know a laptop at home with an external monitor, and then you want to have a keyboard with it. You can pair this key. You can set this keyboard up to pair with your computer. You can set it up to pair with your tablet and you can set it up to pair with your phone so then you have one keyboard for everything it's a it's a nice typing experience it's a small keyboard which is a little it doesn't have a number pad which is a little bit more ergonomic and it's small enough that you can basically put it in a backpack essentially they're about fifty dollars canadian i think they're about 29 or 39 dollars us they're really really good keyboards they're not backlit but they're a great typing experience. I have a very similar keyboard. I have the K780 multi-device keyboard that has a number pad because I do that for my home accounting. Uh, it has a little slot actually. It's more of a desktop keyboard, not something that you'd take with you. And it has a little slot that you could actually put in your iPad and prop it up and type on it, which is kind of cool. Um, it's a great, these are great devices. And I think if you get the Apple Pencil in a case and you buy an external keyboard, you have a much more modular device. And another example I'll give you about why this is probably a better setup. An iPad is not very big. So if you're trying to type on an iPad for a long period of time, you're going to be hunched down over a desk. It's much more ergonomic, and we're going to refer people to ergonomics, to have the iPad up high and to have the keyboard low. So what I recommend for people is rather than trying to turn the iPad into a laptop, Try to have a tablet that can become a desktop. Think about it that way. And then that way you could, you don't even have to have anything. I actually have a bunch of books and boxes and I've actually put the iPad up kind of a makeshift system and I've just kind of leaned it up against something so it's more eye level. And then I've had a keyboard that's Bluetooth down by my hands and then I could type on it for hours very comfortably. I've never been able to do that with an external or with a built-in iPad keyboard. It's just not very ergonomic to kind of hunch your shoulders over and sit like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, another thing that's come up is uh, maybe we'll move on to uh, a question that came up. So somebody asked us about uh, with going back to school, what computer should they uh, go with? And so uh, especially... Uh, you know, there's options between laptop, desktop. I mean, now you, even we've just talked about tablets uh, uh, at nauseum. A Mac <laughs> exactly. and PC, right? Maybe we should start with a PC because I don't want to be this the Apple show. I mean, you and I are big Apple users, but we're not doing it because we're in love with the company. We've been very happy with their products, so we keep buying them. But, you know, they're not for everybody. Some people don't like Mac OS. And so I'll, I'll, I have some recommendations for the best Apple uh, laptops, but why don't we start with Windows? If you're looking at Windows computers, 
there's there's three brands that I think I'd recommend. I don't know them all. Uh, the brands, the number one brand that I'd probably go with would probably be Lenovo, followed by Microsoft itself, followed by Dell. So Lenovo makes a very nice suite of computers. So when I think of faculty, I think of students. I don't know about you, Chris, but I you, you want something that has a bit of oomph, a bit of power to it. So you can say plug it into an external monitor, do some real work, but you don't want some brick that you have to hit, uh, you know hump around, which is which is difficult. So Lenovo makes a number of models. Particularly, they make a more expensive model. This is kind of their MacBook Air. Um, equivalent called the X1 Carbon. Uh, I recommended this to a colleague of mine at Mount Royal. He's been extremely happy with it. They have a few different versions of this. I believe they have a touchscreen version, a non-touchscreen version. Windows 10 has very good touchscreen support, so if you want to use it as a tablet and flip it around, I believe there's a convertible version. There's also the Lenovo Yoga, which is another good kind of convertible laptop. I like the X1 Carbon because it's a 14-inch laptop. I sometimes find 13-inch screens on laptops are a little bit too small, but then, you know, 15-inch, 16-inch is a little bit too big. I think 14-inch is a sweet spot, especially now that we have these much thinner bezels on uh, laptop screens. I think the latest X1 Carbon is now up to generation eight. That is the eighth generation. Uh, they're not cheap. Canadian, they're about 1800 bucks. So you're, you know, into Mac pricing at this point. But you get quite a bit with that. Uh, you, you get your 8 gigs of RAM, which is not bad. I'd recommend 16. You get an Intel Core processor. You're getting a 14-inch screen. You're getting, you're getting all sorts of stuff. They have a really, really cool battery life. I think they, they advertise 19 and a half hours, though Windows computers are notorious liars for battery life. So I would say you're probably going to get more like 12, which is pretty good. Uh, great trackpad. I would say one of the reasons I recommend Lenovo to students and faculty if you're getting Windows is because they have the best keyboards on every on any notebook by far. I like Apple's keyboards now. They were bonehead for a while. We can bleep that. They were bad for a while. They had reliability problems, but Lenovo's are excellent. Excellent keyboards, really truly good. I mean, you don't even need an external keyboard with a Lenovo. And then, in fact, they just started selling external keyboards as well because their 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 keyboard design is so popular. And they've always been that way, even when IBM owned them. So that would be my recommendation. Uh, if you don't want to spend that much, um, there is a very very competent Lenovo keyboard or Lenovo laptop that's cheaper. Uh, that's made for more for business professionals. That's also excellent. That's called the ThinkPad T490S. So that's a, a little bit more money, a little bit less sleek, but still an excellent computer overall. And I think you, if you want to spec up your computer a bit, I think you get a bit better of a deal uh, to go with one of the T490s. And I'd recommend, if you can, to try to get a version that has 16 gigabytes of RAM. You don't need to have a super, the latest processor. All of these have solid state 
you know, 256 gigs in app storage, which is more than enough for most people. These, the T490 is cool because it actually has a fingerprint reader. So it has Windows biometrics built in. It works quite well. Um, but if you can get 16 gigs of RAM, it's a little bit better just because the computer will last you a bit longer. I think eight is kind of the minimum at this point. 16 is better. And that, and 16 gives you lots of headroom to do multitasking and, and things like that. So the T490X, the X1 Carbon are really good computers. Did you want me to move sure. on to Microsoft? Uh, I, I assume you're probably talking about their Surface laptops then. Yeah, they have a they have a range. And if we're talking about students, I'm not going to or, or faculty, I'm not going to recommend them all. So they, they have they have two laptops and a two in one device, essentially. So their laptops are the Surface laptop. And then they have the Surface Book. I'm not going to recommend the Surface Book. I'm going to get that right out of the way. It's a great device, but is is expensive. I mean, I think it starts with a fairly meager entry price at five hundred and ninety nine, or sorry, fifteen hundred ninety nine dollars. Uh, no, sorry, that's for the old version. I think it's eighteen ninety nine for the Surface Book three, and that's Canadian. The U.S. is of course a different a different conversion. It comes with good tech specs. I mean, you're getting, uh, I think, you know, good video card. You're getting lots of RAM out of the box, but it's it's a little bit overkill, in my opinion. I actually think it may even start with eight gigs of RAM. Maybe it starts with sixteen gigs of RAM. I'd have to check. But basically, what it is is that it's a laptop that has a detachable screen that turns into a tablet. So it's kind of cool. I guess if you wanted to have one device that did everything you could do this. Um, but it, it is a very expensive device. It's really made, it's really their MacBook Pro equivalent. So it's it's on the expensive side. If you don't need that, and I would say, by the way, that a Windows tablet, I really like their touchscreen support and their stylus. I don't really like the Surface Book um, as a tablet form factor because it kind of gives you the worst of both worlds because the tablet part only gets a handful of hours of battery life unless you turn it around and reconnect it to the keyboard itself. So, and, then, and then you have this really thick brick of a tablet. And Windows is really not a tablet operating system. I mean, I know they have good touch support, but it's pretty bad. So I would suggest that you look at the Surface Pro if you're a faculty member or a student, or look at the Surface Laptop. So I'll start with the laptop. That's a simple, traditional clamshell-based laptop. They're under the third generation. It was recently updated. I don't know the reliability scores on Microsoft's hardware. They're a fairly new hardware maker still. I mean, only since 2012, 2013. The Surface Laptop 3 is an excellent laptop from what I can tell. I wouldn't get the bigger model. The 13-inch uh, version with an Intel processor is the way to go. Uh, and then there's a couple of configurations. I would suggest get the configuration with 16 gigs of RAM if you can afford it. It'll just last you longer. I think you're getting a better value. However, if you want something that's a little bit more modular, I think the Surface Pro is also an excellent device, and that's their two-in-one. So the Surface Pro is essentially a tablet with a connectable keyboard. So this is something that you don't have to get. This, if you buy a Surface Pro 7, which is the, the one I'd recommend, you don't need to buy an iPad. 
I mean, that is your tablet. Uh, yeah, Microsoft has a very comparable and excellent stylus, um, excellent stylus support, excellent touch uh, interface, and there's all sorts of apps for writing. The Surface is a great device. It's a bit expensive because you're paying $7.99 for the entry-level Surface Pro Canadian. You'd really want to bump that up to about $1,500. Uh, there's a $1,500, $1,579 model that I'd recommend. That'll get you your 16 gigs of RAM, and then, of course, you have to buy the keyboard cover on top of that. So you're getting up there. But you're getting a tablet and laptop in one. They have solid battery life. They have excellent performance. You're getting real Intel processors. It has a fan inside. Uh, you're getting US. You're getting all the connectors that you need. I think there's an SD card reader, perhaps. Um, there is USB A, USB C. Has a great screen. You can buy a stylus, and you get everything in one. I see a lot of students, in particular, using the Surface Pro Seven, because and the Surface Pro Six that came before it because you kind of get, you pay up front, but you kind of get a, a one size fits all device for your money, which I think is actually a pretty yeah, good value. And I mean, we've talked about this a while back, but just in terms of when you do make this type of investment, I mean, it might seem a little bit more money, but uh, where we actually look at the pay for use and how how long you're going to be using yeah. it over the course of the period and I mean, um, I, I look at my current MacBook Pro, for example, um, I've had it since 2013 when it first came out, and it's still going pretty strong. Yeah, that, and that's like unheard of. I mean, I know people now. I mean, you can basically keep these devices as long as the OS is going to be supported. So that kind of depends. I think Microsoft Windows 10, they'll support them for a long time. Windows uh, Microsoft has a very good track record of supporting devices long term with Windows, especially Windows 10. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you want to use them until they don't get security updates anymore because then it becomes a liability, essentially. Uh, same with your phones, folks. Uh, people always ask me, why do, you, why do you use an iPhone on an Android phone? I actually really like Android. I love the operating system. I love the customizability. The only problem I have is that they don't get updated as long. And then you're running out-of-date software, and that's more likely to be have security issues that have never been patched, and you can get hacked, especially if you're on a public Wi-Fi network. It bothers me. So I want devices that last as long as possible. Uh, I don't, not all my devices are new. It sounds like I'm rolling in it because I have a new MacBook Pro from this year and I bought an iPad. So this was an expensive year. But my phone, by the way, is an iPhone 8 Plus. So from 2017, I've had it for three years. I don't intend to upgrade it. It's, you know, a Touch ID phone and it's, it's, it's great. It's going strong. I love it. It's one of it's probably the best phone I've ever owned. So use these devices as long as you can, buy what you can afford, and you kind of grow a love and affection for a device that you spent good money on that has served you well. You're kind of hesitant to give it up over time, I find, if you've had it longer. I mean, I had the same laptop as you, Chris, my 13-inch MacBook. In fact, mine is a 16 gigabyte of RAM model. So I actually never got rid of it. My wife had a, a slight same year model computer slightly slower had a smaller hard drive half the ram so we sold it and when i upgraded this one to do video editing and stuff like that she has a work computer so she doesn't use her personal mac that often i wiped it i cleaned it up reinstalled the operating system fresh and i gave her the old one and it was in fantastic condition and i also had a new battery put in it the year before she says it's like a brand new computer 
runs the latest operating system flawlessly. It's about seven years old, six or seven years old. We'll probably get another two years out of it. So it'll be eight years before she needs to buy another Mac, essentially. Uh, that used to be unheard of. It used to be two years maximum you'd get out of a laptop when I was younger. Now people are running Apple devices that are 10 years old before they update them. I mean, that is real value. I can't speak to the Windows laptops if they'll get that much life out of them, but you also save, you know, two, three hundred dollars off the top, I would say, when you get into those. So I think it's okay if you even get four or five years out of it. That's pretty good. Uh, Thinking of how many cycles you're going to put on the battery, how batteries wear out, all those things. I don't want to ramble, but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, value is important, right? And then you wanted to talk about the Dell side? Mm -hmm. Dell's pretty good. I would say that if you're going to get a laptop from Dell, uh, the XPS 13 is the way to go. Yeah, so the base model XPS 13 Canadians 1949 or 20.99, depending if you get the touchscreen laptop or the regular laptop. I'm not sure that a touchscreen is necessary. It's nice to have if you use that. Um, I think I would rather go for a non-touchscreen laptop that had a higher resolution display because it's easier on the eye. So unless you know you're going to be using it for touch, I wouldn't recommend it. The reason I wouldn't is because both Lenovo and Microsoft have much better styluses and stylus support, so kind of like the Apple Pencil for Windows computers on their devices than does the stuff from Dell. So I would recommend getting a 1080p is fine. You'll get better battery life if you get just a regular HD screen, but you can also get a 4K ultra high definition screen on, on the on the Dell XPS as well. And and that's really cool because if you're going to be looking at it for a long time, it makes a big difference. It's a 13 inch laptop, so it's not big, but they're, they're really good devices. They have a pretty, they have a good keyboard. They have a good trackpad. Um, again, I'm partial to Lenovo because I like a few more ports. I like that one inch of extra screen size a bit better, but that being said, you know, the Dell XPS 13 gets regularly voted as the best windows laptop by many publications year over year. So, I mean, you can't really lose yeah. with any of what these. What about, uh, you know, the laptops that are a lot lower and like, let's say it's, uh, I don't know, maybe 600 bucks. Uh, the problem is, is that you're not getting a lot of value for your money at that point. I mean, they tend to be compromised. So you might get a decent processor, but you're going to be low end on the RAM. You might have decent battery life, but you're going to have usually where they cut corners is the display. And I think if it's your primary window into doing your work and you're cutting corners on display and battery life and you're getting a cheap feeling keyboard, those are the things that really matter. I mean, you can't change that on a laptop. You don't want a keyboard that you can't stand. That's why I didn't buy a MacBook Pro, an upgrade for so long, because their butterfly keyboards were such garbage. It wasn't until they upgraded the the design and kind of went back to what they had for years that I would even consider it. I was looking at a Lenovo instead of a Mac. And I don't want something that has a low resolution display because it's harder on your eyes. I mean, it's just that many, you you're, could be potentially putting off needing to buy glasses sooner than later if you have a higher resolution display. So I, I'd really recommend staying away from the $600 range. The, one of the problems with five, $600 computers from that are on the Windows side 
is that the performance is bad. And this is where it gets interesting between Windows devices and tablets. Apple's tablets benchmark, so for those who are not aware, benchmarks are you know the, the, the tools we use to test the speed of devices. Their iPads, even the iPad Air, benchmark well beyond mid, a lot of mid-range and sometimes low high-end Windows laptops. I mean, it's not even comparable. I, I would rather spend I would I would spend four hundred and twenty nine dollars on an entry level iPad, not even an iPad Air, before I bought a low end Windows mm, computer. Interesting. It's just not worth it because you'd be better off as a student. Let's say that you want a poor because I, I understand the conundrum, right? Because if you're a student and you're going to and from campus, maybe you, maybe you don't live on campus, maybe you still live at home at Mount Royal, we're kind of a commuter campus. I would recommend if you want a travel device and you have access to a computer at home and you're not going to be using that travel device as your main and of course this is different because we're in a pandemic but you're not going to be using it as your main laptop an iPad over a cheap laptop is the way to go in fact for a lot of students at home a lot of students have told me that they don't do laptops anymore they've got uh, you know a fairly inexpensive iPad so they can take it to school and take notes and have a keyboard to do little things and they have a desktop at home Desktops have made a comeback because, or they have their laptop at home all the time plugged into a monitor, but that's not really necessary. Desktops have made a serious comeback because you get a lot of horsepower for a lot less money. And if you don't need to go that far, especially now that we're all at home doing school, you can save yourself a lot of money. So I do recommend um, all-in-one computers, uh, the iMac and things like that for those who don't need a laptop and would rather use an iPad for portability. Well, that's maybe a nice segue into the desktops. But before we do that, uh, do you want to just make your recommendation on the laptops from Apple? Yeah, I can do that. I mean, we're in a bit of a weird situation now when it comes to the Mac. So for those who may not be aware, Apple in March had their online version of their Worldwide Developers Conference. It's called WWDC, and they made a pretty substantial announcement. Apple is moving away from Intel. So it's kind of funny. So for many, many years, Apple used a processor that nobody else in the industry, the computer industry, used called PowerPC. It was made by IBM. So they used this from... Uh, you know, the 90s up until 2005, 10 years. Great processors, but it introduced some compatibility issues because most Windows computers run processors from either Intel or AMD. And I won't go into the technical specifications, but that's a that's an industry standard called x86 that is a architecture. So AMD and there's all sorts of different processors and power, but they all run on the same architecture, this philosophy. Apple moved to Intel processors in 2006, so it's been using them for you know 15 years almost. But Intel has really dropped the ball in recent years. They haven't innovated. Uh, Intel doesn't release new chips. Apple can't really update their computers, so they're kind of uh, at the hell, uh, at they're beholden to Intel. So what they announced is that they're basically going to make their own chips. Just like they make their own chips for their phones and their tablets, which are fantastic, Apple feels confident that their chips are better than Intel's on not only a laptop, but the desktop. So they've announced a transition away from Intel. They haven't released these computers yet. They say the, the transition is going to take two years. 
but they're still selling Intel computers. So the problem remains, how long will this Mac that has an Intel processor be supported? Now, I'm not too concerned about that. I would, I, Intel, you know, Apple support is typically very good. If you need a computer for school or something, I wouldn't be worried about buying an Intel Mac. And I don't think I'd want to be the first person to have a Apple Silicon chip. You never know in terms of compatibility. Apple moving to a proprietary chip format, that means that Macs aren't going to be able to run Windows on any anymore. I mean, I run Windows on my Mac alongside Mac OS. So there's a lot of things we're going to miss out on when Apple moves to their next chip. So if you want an Apple computer, I'd recommend as a, if you're a student who wants a laptop, I'd probably recommend the MacBook Air. The MacBook Air will get you better battery life. It's good enough performance. Uh, if you can move up to the more mid-range version, uh, that's the way to go. Get the one with the quad-core processor, not the dual-core, and spend the money again to get the 16 gigs of RAM Canadian. That's about just under 1800 bucks with the student discount. That's actually not bad. That's pretty comparable to some of the other Windows laptops I've recommended. If you want to move up a little bit, uh, I would go to a MacBook Pro 13 inch that was just updated, uh, has Apple's new keyboards. They're very good, but don't get the low end model. Get the model that has the quad core 10th generation Intel processors, not the eighth gen. Uh, I don't think it's worth it. And then you're paying about 2200 bucks for the it's 2269 on the education discount for the model that I'd recommend. Again, it's more expensive. You're going to get your free AirPods, so consider it a $2000 purchase, not 2200. Those are the two I'd recommend in terms of laptops. In terms of desktops, uh, I would hold off. Uh, Apple just updated their larger 27-inch iMacs, but those are pretty expensive. Unless you're a faculty member and you're going to be doing this for photo and video editing, you know, you're paying minimum $22.69. So you're paying, if you, if you want a desktop at home, you can buy the entry-level 27-inch iMac for about the same price as a MacBook Pro. I recommend um, getting something that's more like $2,500 and make sure that you get 512 gigabytes at least of hard drive space. These are all solid state hard drives. There's no more spinning drives than the iMac. Uh, so that's something that you can't upgrade after the fact. So I'd recommend it. I wouldn't worry about, at least on the desktop side, don't pay extra money to upgrade these iMacs to 16 gigs of RAM from eight. Just buy the eight. The reason I say that is because the iMacs have upgradable memory. Apple charges a ridiculous amount of money for their memory upgrades. It's, it's, it's kind of outrageous, actually. It's much, much more expensive than their Windows competitors. But on the iMac, it's the 27-inch. On the very back of the computer, there's a little slot. You can open it up, and you can just pull out the memory. You can go to your computer store, buy compatible memory, and put it in for you know half or a third of the cost. So you can upgrade the memory yourself on the iMac. Do not pay Apple for that upgrade, but upgrade the computer to get larger hard drives. Yeah, space. because that's soldered right onto the motherboard. Yeah, and the 21 and a half inch iMac has not been updated. It is old. They did not update that model. Rumor is is that Apple's not going to update that model, and that will might be one of the first models that moves away from Intel because the first Apple Silicon Macs are coming out this year. 
So if you don't care about the student discount, I mean, this, you can get the educator's discount at any time. If you don't care about the AirPods and you have a decent computer and you're willing to wait until the end of the year, and this goes for iPads, laptops, anything, if you have something that's good enough, you don't need to upgrade right away, I would wait as long as you can and until you have to upgrade and then spend as much money as you can afford because you'll always get more life out of your device, as, as Chris and I have said. But then you may be able to score one of the Apple Silicon Macs, which may be supported even yeah, longer. Yeah, no, for sure. I would say with the Mac, unless you need to upgrade, I would wait uh, in general. I bought a 16-inch MacBook Pro because... I don't want the first Apple. I can't work with that. I need things to work on Intel right now. Um, and th this will be supported for four or five years until I buy another one. I don't have to keep my computers quite as long anymore. But if you can wait on the Mac side, it might not be, it might be worthwhile. If, unless you don't have a computer, then I would say buy a MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, or, or an iMac. If you're a student working at home and you want a desktop, iMac 27 inch is a good computer. I think that's a great, that, that update was, was solid. There's going to be fancier new designs that are going to come out. Apple's going to do things that they can't do with Intel chips. But if you want a, a solid computer, I mean, that's a good one to go with. Sorry, yeah, no Chris. worries. Um, and then on the desktop side for PC, I, I think you could probably, the nice thing about the desktops that they have, um, especially the ones with the towers, I mean, there's a lot of expansion capability. You can put in new hard drives, uh, the memory. Uh, any recommendations on, on that side? Yeah, I'm not as familiar with the all-in-one desktop PCs from on the Windows side. I don't know about getting an all-in-one Windows computer. I'm not sure how much better they are for upgradability compared to the iMac. I mean, one of the reasons that the iMac is so good is that, it, especially on the 27-inch iMac, I mean, you're getting a 5K display. I mean, if you're going to get an all, if you're going to get an all-in-one computer, it's hard for me to recommend Windows. Not because I don't like Windows, but because on a Mac that run, that has an Intel processor, let's say you're a student, you're saying I'm doing online education. I don't even need to go to a campus. I think a desktop is a better bet, to be perfectly honest. Buy yourself a desktop and an iPad, and you're in a better, you're in better shape. But you can run Windows on a Mac desktop. No problem. And a Mac laptop. But a, a Mac desktop has a 5K display on that 27-inch iMac. That's one of the best displays in the industry. The displays are hit and miss on the Windows side unless you buy in the high end and then you're not saving a lot of prices. So I'd recommend against probably an all-in-one Windows computer. I know that there's some good options from Dell and Hewlett-Packard and things like that. Um, I don't really have a great recommendation for a desktop Windows computer, but what I would recommend is that when you're doing your research online, you may be wanting to search for best desktop towers for students or faculty or something like that. I know that Dell has a couple of towers, like the G5 is a gaming, like an entry-level gaming uh, tower, and I think they're like 800 bucks. And of course, then you have to buy an external monitor and yeah. stuff like that. Um, even their Alienware line has some pretty entry-level gaming computers. It's kind of cool if you do game, then you don't have to buy a console or something. If that's your you know, pastime, then you kind of get an all-in-one device. 
um, Windows computers that can game, that have a decent video card, last a long time. Because if you can game on a computer, you can pretty much do anything really well, including video editing, all of that stuff. So I'm not suggesting that people have to be a gamer, but there is some advantages to having gaming tech in a tower. Uh, if you're going to, uh, again, the PC Magazine is a place I would direct you to. I would also go to the uh, wire cutter, uh, which is now owned by the New York Times. They have a, they have a different site. Um, and Tech Radar. Those are the websites to look at for uh, you know, com Windows computers and, and stuff like that. One thing I would recommend, if you do go with a Windows desktop, which is fine, get yourself a decent display. 1080p displays are fine. Um, that's your regular HD. So that's not, not, that's not your 4K display. I would recommend no more than 24 inches on a 1080p display because it's gonna to start to look very fuzzy, that resolution, as you get up. I'd actually recommend, I actually, it's funny that you mentioned this, Chris. I, as you know, I recently just bought a new monitor. I have an external monitor for my Mac. And there's some really good deals uh, for 4K monitors. So 4K is a much higher resolution. Again, I think you get one body, like you said once, you gotta take care of it and your eyes are part of that. So something that has a high resolution display, especially for document work, is very advantageous. Um, Acer, Nitros, there's a bunch of 4K monitors. If you want to know what the best monitors are, I recommend a site called Rtings. So it's rtings.com. They review headphones, televisions, soundbars, monitors, keyboards, mice, all sorts of uh, vacuum cleaners, printers. They're a really, really good website in addition to the wire cutter. They do, uh, their monitor breakdowns are really, really good. We'll put a link in the show notes because they have, you know, best gaming monitors, best high refresh rate monitors, best monitors for MacBook Pro, best monitors for office work. And they actually test these using a variety of applications. They test all the color calibration to make sure that they're accurate colors and, and look at the resolutions and all that stuff. They're a really, really good website. So if you're like, I want to budget, you know, work, office monitor they probably have like a breakdown of here are our top five picks and they'll give you the top five picks in large sizes small sizes wide super wide screen monitors curved displays they kind of have one chosen for every category uh, and then just be on the lookout for a deal monitors always go on sale there's always a deal on monitors somewhere so just hold out for a better deal if you have an interim monitor you can use for your desktop that's a way to go i've been using one a 1080p a really nice one an lg a large one but i've been waiting for a long time to get a monitor deal it took me a year to wait but it was well worth it because i probably saved 250 yeah. bucks and i think you made a good point on the gaming uh, desktops as well uh we actually about maybe a year and a half two years ago for our office, we actually made that decision just because of the, uh, I, I just couldn't justify from the the, piece, uh, the Mac side of things. And so we got uh, through HP, they have their Omen line. You know, there's mm -hmm. uh, four or five bays for hard drives. Uh, they're, you know, again, that video card, that's big uh, from a, when you're going and running uh, some intensive programs and stuff. So. Um, and then just to get yourself some nice monitors for it and you're way ahead of the game when you're looking at like from the Apple side. So, yeah, I think so. And if you don't need, 
you know, if you if you have, I mean, a lot of people have a really good monitor and they need a, and they need a desktop, right? So then there's no sense in buying an all-in-one. If you don't have a monitor and you want a really good one and a really good computer, I think that's where the iMac has a very good value proposition because if you try to find a 5K monitor of that caliber, and I cannot stress this enough, don't have to get Apple, not don't be a fanboy, but their displays are so well calibrated for color correction. I mean, they're some of the best displays in the industry. I mean, they are fantastic. I mean, I've and I've tried all of them. So if you need a really good monitor, you don't have one, you need a working computer. I mean, even the iMac has a good video card in it, an AMD video card with the latest architecture. You can even game no problem mm -hmm. on an iMac if you play, you know, shooters online. I mean, it is fine. It's just not as upgradable. But you're probably going to get five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years out of it, depending on how long Apple supports Intel. So, and and when you compare the price of a Intel MacBook Pro, I mean, I could have bought a Mac iMac for, you know, seven hundred dollars less than I bought my MacBook Pro sixteen for, and it's a much more powerful computer. So, I mean, it depends what you need. If you have some of this equipment already, if you have a monitor, if you prefer to use Windows, I think you're better to go the modular route, like you said. And those gaming computers where you have drives are great because then you can do more backup yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. And that is another part, too. I mean, we, we should uh, also just mention about make sure that you save and backup your data. And, uh, you know, we'll outline a few different options for that. Uh, we'll move on to the, the next section, which uh, we're, we're considering uh, phones to be computers as well. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, this is an interesting one. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Chris. I think phones are. I mean, I think a phone is a pocket computer. It's really... Do you remember the Apple Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that, that was uh, well ahead of its time. Um, even if people have... Um, uh, you know, the opportunity, there's a documentary, it's uh, called General Magic. And so General Magic is basically Apple created like their own company and did an offshoot. And they basically created a smartphone back before the internet even existed. Yeah, the Apple Newton, we had one, a couple of the models, the first generation and the later generations when I worked at the University of Alberta. And they're uh, interesting. Apple Apple basically developed the uh, essentially a, a PDA. They were called personal digital assistant before smartphones, and they were stylus based. They didn't have multi touch and all the stuff that we have now. And to make it work, Apple basically made the world's greatest handwriting recognition, which I believe they still use as a base for the iPad. And so it's funny that we've come full circle. We have the iPad. We have the Apple Pencil. And now they're gone back to using styli and, and writing as an input in addition to, you know, keyboards and touch and all this stuff. But a lot of that stuff really started with the Apple Newton. And I was going to say for smartphones, I'm going to start with Android. So here's my recommendation. If you need a Android phone, I don't use Android. Um, uh, I have some issues with Google biz, Google's business model and data collection. I'm not suggesting Apple's a is a perfect company. They do such a shady different stuff. But I'm a big privacy advocate, so that's one of the reasons I, I struggle with Android, only because some of their phones don't get updated that long. If you're going to go with an Android device, 
there's basically uh, a couple that you'd want to consider. The best deal, and we're in an interesting time now because you can get $350, $400 smartphones that are actually really, really good. If you want an Android phone at a budget, I would recommend the Pixel 4a. That's from Google itself. Their phones are solid. They're not flashy. They have superb cameras on them. They have some of the best cameras in the industry. I think they probably surpassed Apple by this point, or at least are on par. Uh, that in, in its price range, by far the best camera. You're looking at about 400 bucks. Um, great, great device. I'd also recommend for Android phones uh, the brand OnePlus. They have a variety of devices available. They're typically pretty good. They have a very uh, clean version of Android. So it's not like Samsung that has its own kind of custom stuff over top of it. They are excellent phones. They get updated well. They're in a reasonable price range. And of course, Samsung Galaxy devices, even their cheaper models are also really good. Um, my only concern with Samsung is that they, they tend to be hit and miss in terms of their long-term support for the near, your devices, but they have really good features. They have a pretty customizable user interface, stuff yeah. like that. Actually, one thing that was interesting, you just sent a, a little video of Microsoft has released this new phone that's uh, the Surface Duo where there's that is a phone, right? Yeah, it's kind of a phone. I mean, they don't advertise it as a phone. It's a $1399, I believe, US phone. So it's a very expensive phone. But it's essentially, a, a think of it as like two iPad minis glued together with a hinge, essentially. And they have, it's, it's, it's funny because the Surface, their two-in-one devices, that the tablet with the kickstand and the keyboard, they have these beautiful hinges that have been made to be able to be, you know, open and close like the hundreds of thousands of times. They've really refined their hinge. So they, they're unhinged on hinges, so to speak. And they've put that into this, this double screen phone. It's different than the foldable screens we're used to because it's not like you're folding the screen glass itself. It's, it's just two screens, like two monitors. But it's, it's intriguing. Um, I'm very excited for it. I think it's going to be super cool. It runs Android, but it's way out of the price range of anybody that's, in, that's, that's reasonable. I want to see if we can get a review unit. Uh, that's a long shot, but yeah. that's our we'll goal. We'll see. Maybe they, we might be able to. On the, the Apple side of things, um, I mean, uh, you know, we talked about this earlier, like you were running uh, 8 plus. Uh, what's kind of funny on my side, like I would every year I would pretty much upgrade my phone. In fact, uh, I remember uh, one year I was trying to get my wife to convert over to the Apple side. It was always like me being Apple and she's like Google. And um, I ordered online. I got three iPhone sixes. Uh, one I was planning on basically selling. And uh, it's weird. I don't know what uh, these Apple fanboys, what they, when a new phone comes out, they line up for it. And so I was actually in the past, I would always buy like two. I would put one up on Kijiji and sell it for like $100 more. And so basically I never paid uh, for my upgrade because of that. And surprisingly, even the old phones, their value held up pretty decently. And so every year I would mm -hmm. just do it. And then I got to a point, I just didn't want to deal with Kijiji people. And so that was the last year. So until from uh, whenever the, the iPhone 6 came out, until this year in January, I kept that iPhone 6. 
Yeah, and I was in a similar position. I mean, I, did, I upgraded a bit sooner. I, I, I had an iPhone 6. I bought it when it came out. Not the Plus, but the regular size. And um, I kept that until I got an iPhone 8 Plus. And my wife and I upgrade pretty much in tandem um, because then we can both sell our old devices together. Uh, I bought an iPhone 8 Plus. I would say that the iPhone 8 Plus still has one of the best cameras Apple's released on their phones. It has great color balance. Every year, the cameras, they tweak the software a bit. The lenses are a bit different. Some years, like the 10S, was not a very good year for uh, Apple cameras, for instance. So I'm really happy with this iPhone 8 Plus. And people often ask me, they're like, well, Eric, you're, you're a computer guy. Why don't you upgrade? But I like to buy, I like to spend when I buy, but I like to keep things for a while. Just like I keep like you kept your laptop and it's we've come to the point now with phones where you can do the same thing so i'm thinking this will be good for at least another year maybe two years so it have been five years old and that kind of informs how i buy devices that's why i've often recommended that people buy the best they can afford when they need it because they're going to last longer but with this here it's a bit different so if you want an iphone First of all, I'm only going to recommend one that you should buy now if you want one. Otherwise, you should wait. Apple releases an iPhone every September or ships in September or October. Do not buy a full-priced iPhone a month before they come out. It's just not worth it. They never lower the price. You may get a better price through your carrier. I don't know. That depends on your, your situation, but always wait until September if you don't need to if unless you have no phone um, because you're you'll pay the same price the rumor is that they're actually going to lower the price again because Apple kind of went to the high end for phone prices and then they kind of had to backtrack a bit because they're just so incredibly expensive so wait for the iPhone 12 we're on the 11 right now uh, they're pretty expensive to buy outright uh, unless you get a deal through your carrier I, I use Freedom Mobile so I get a really cheap plan and I don't want to mess with it. So I just buy the phones outright and just buy the, and eat the cost. But, you know, for an iPhone 11 outright, I mean, you're looking at about, I don't know what they cost, Chris. Is they, are they still like close to a thousand bucks? I think they're even they? a little bit more. Like I got the uh, iPhone 11 Pro and, yeah, yeah, it's and really then, up uh, there. you know, I even upgraded my memory as well. And so uh, I think if I was to buy it out, it would have been like, I don't know, seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars something like that. holy macro wow, that that surface duo doesn't <laughs> exactly, look so expensive now. Right? so i i would say so i would say wait on the iphone wait until see what apple introduces in september there's always a better phone if you want the iphone uh, here's the thing they're gonna up they're gonna release an iphone 12 they're gonna it's gonna be called iphone 12 they're gonna do it they're gonna have an iphone 12 and then they're gonna have a slightly bigger version of the iphone 12 like kind of when they had the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus. That's my guess. They're also going to have a pro version of the phone. So you, you notice Apple has the, the iPad, iPad Air, iPad Pro, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, then to the desktops. The iPhone is iPhone big and small, pro big and small. So they're going to up they're going to release like three, four phones. Basically, they're doing a, their whole line of phones. So just wait and see what they what they release. 
If you don't want to spend a lot of money on a phone, if you don't need a huge screen, if you don't need the triple lens display or whatever crazy stuff they're going to put in there to try to justify the $1,000, the best phone other than the Pixel 3a for budget is the iPhone yeah. SE. It is the best value in a phone I have ever seen. And it is even better a value than the Pixel 3a. The Pixel 3a is a great phone. It'll have a better camera. If you want a phone that's relatively inexpensive, that's gonna last you a really, really long time, this is what you want. There is no better value on the market. And I say that because this iPhone SE, this is essentially an iPhone 8. They took an old body design. You have those big bezels. You have a fingerprint reader, which works great. It works better now if you're wearing a mask. Face ID doesn't work <laughs> so good. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, you can get it with 64 gigabytes of storage. I personally think that's fine. You can get 128. You're paying 599 Canadian. You're paying 399 US. Um, this is a great phone. It has a good camera, single lens camera. You get your portrait mode. It's good enough for most people. They're not going to notice the difference unless they're doing really low light photography. And it not only did they update the iPhone SE in a newer, though still old design, the hardware inside the iPhone SE is identical, the processor, to the iPhone 11. So you're running the Ferrari guts in a Ford Focus, essentially. And it's going to get updates for like six years. You're going to get updates to the OS, security updates, you're going to get the latest software, and you're going to get it at the lowest entry-level price. So if you need a budget phone today and you want to buy an Apple phone and you're okay with a smaller display and you're, not, you're okay with not having Face ID and an edge-to-edge -edge screen, you know what? I would actually consider buying this if I needed to upgrade my phone because I don't yeah. care anymore. It's a commodity now. This is such a great device, and you can actually get really good deals. You can get the iPhone SE... Um, with some pretty good pricing through some of the Canadian and American carriers, you can often get a discount if you kind of pay the phone off as you go rather than sign up for like the traditional contracts. So you can get some deals there. Also, I'd recommend, like you said, Chris, these devices hold their value. Like I was looking at the iPhone 8 Plus. I can sell this phone for almost 400 bucks. That's insane. <laughs> because I have more memory and or maybe maybe let's say 300 if I wanted to sell it quickly. So I sell my phone for $300 and then I only have to spend a few hundred dollars to get a phone that I'm going to keep for six years. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and it, it's just incredible. I recommend buying new if you can, because you want a newer battery. You know, Apple's um, extended warranty and drop protection on the phones aren't even that expensive. So if you can sell an old device and then upgrade and buy outright, that is often the way to go. And I, I just think it's a great a great value. This is what I would recommend for students. I mean, like, don't go for what's sexy unless you're like uh, an enthusiast, like I am. And even then, you know, I kind of, I kind of, I, I think, I think budget is becoming cool. Like, look how much money I saved, and look how much I'm getting versus what that I see that now among young people. Like, look how more affordable or much of a better deal I got. That has actually come back into vogue. So I think that's I think that's a fantastic trend. And I think people should 
try to get a budget device because I don't think there's any reason to buy a high-end phone unless you, again, are really interested in the camera and that's your only thing. And then that's that's great value yeah. for you. I mean, in, in my mind, I basically just justified it because I haven't upgraded for so long. And it was kind of a, yeah. a bit of a like, oh, let's do it. And it was funny because the, the lady I got it from, uh, she actually, she's uh, later on, I had to go back for something. And, uh, oh, it was uh, at the time they had a promotion where they would give you a free uh, tablet as well. And so, I, you know, my mm -hmm. kind of opinion is when it's free, I'll take three. So, <laughs> anyways. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point. And I don't think there's anything wrong with buying a high-end phone. Again, if it's your primary pocket computer, maybe you have a desktop at home and then the phone is all you carry, which is really all you need. So you need a bigger screen. You're going to spend over a grand. I don't think that's a bad idea. I think you just have to offset that cost with something else that you don't need. And the cameras are so good. I would just suggest that if you're going to buy an Apple regular iPhone like the 12, the 11, or if you're looking at the 11 or the 11 Pro Max at this point, I would just wait until they release the newer version. The SE was just updated not that long ago, so they're not going to come out with a new version anytime soon. They're going to upgrade everything but that. So if you need a phone today, you don't want to spend a lot. SE is the way to go. If you want a better phone, then just wait till September because there is no back to school deal on phones. Typically that's where Apple makes their most money. So you might as well just buy the yeah, newest no, phone. Exactly. And it's, it's funny. So at, at the same time, I also got uh, the Apple watch five and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if it was up to me, I, I think I would, I, I'm still waiting for those like Dick Tracy kind of days, but I would much rather just leave my phone altogether and just have the watch and then maybe just run it through, um, you know, my wireless headsets uh, if I did need to take a call because I find uh, otherwise we're spending too much time on the screen. It's a lot more efficient actually on your computer. Uh, but, you know, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, uh, I think you're very right that basically we have uh, computers in our pockets these days. And uh, they're probably much more powerful than even mainframes from back in the day. Oh, many times more powerful. And in fact, Apple Silicon is in their phones is so powerful that it probably outclasses a lot of Windows and laptop yeah. desktops or Windows desktops and laptops. So I would say that yeah, you're getting a lot. I mean, the, the only thing we can't do is plug them into a monitor and a keyboard, right? But the iPad can do that. Yeah. So again, it's a computer as well, right? And just think of a shrunken iPad well, as a way to think about it. So I, I think it's you can get a really good deal these days. We're in a really good renaissance, in my opinion. In fact, uh, not to go on and on about this, but I wrote, I can put it in the show notes if people are interested. On my blog, Tech Bytes, lately it looks like I've been talking about Apple a lot, which is totally true. But I wrote a commentary on an art of their article, and I just called it trickle-down technology, and I said the 2020 iPhone is released, and I just talked about the value proposition. I and mean, this is really a golden age of technology affordability at this point. Yeah. One other uh, thing that we should probably touch on, especially as we're working at home uh, quite a bit, uh, in episode three, we talked about ergonomics, and you know uh, we were talking about ergonomic mice. Uh, so both Eric and I have uh, now convinced him to even get that same vertical mouse that uh, I had from Logitech. The other one died. I had oh, no choice. <laughs> Seven years of that mouse finally packed it. Yeah. In. So we both have that Logitech vertical mouse that's uh, supposed to be the the most ergonomic mouse out there. Uh, I'm happy with it. How do you feel about it? 
it's good. It's a little bit less vertical than the Evoluant. So um, I don't know if that's better or worse. I like the feel of the Logitech better. I think it's better hardware. I would still say that Evoluant is a very good brand. I mean, for a long time, they're the only game in town. And, you know, we had this conversation, so I'd recommend people to go to three episode three, and we can put that in the show notes. But actually, Evoluant just updated their their uh, their mice. So they were working with a pretty outdated look and feel for a long time. I highly recommend them still. I mean, and if you wanted a wired mouse, you don't need wireless. They have a variety of options. So I think a Voluant is a good one. Um, or take a look at uh, the Logitech Vertical. I think the Logitech Vertical is a little bit more available. And they're cheaper. The, the problem with the Voluant is that they may be maybe they're slightly more ergonomic because you're a little bit more on a on a vertical stance. So I'd have to go back to my old one. It kind of works to test it. They're about $157 Canadian from their site. And I think their Logitech you can get for under 100 on sale. So I think the, the Logitech is probably better for most people and is a better price. And it also has a better wheel. But I, I would click out both. The one thing that the Evoluant has, Chris, that I miss, it had it had three buttons uh, instead of the two regular and the wheel. And it software allows for a lot more customizability about how you want the buttons to feel. So you can say customize certain buttons to open certain apps and do stuff because their software is very flexible. I like the Logitech. I don't need all that stuff. So it works really yeah. well for me and I love the feel of it. I'm super happy with it. But I do think Evoluant is a good option as an ergonomic brand and they've been around for a really yeah. long time. And again, we talked uh, at length about uh, this in episode three. So maybe check that out. And then even just from keyboards, uh, there was, um, I used the ergonomic uh, keyboard from Logitech and we talked about uh, that as well in that episode. Yeah. And I don't use this. I mean, I have a split keyboard at work and I may go grab it. Uh, from my office at some point. I, I use the Logitech, and I think I, I already said what model in this episode. Uh, it's not a split keyboard. It's flat. Uh, again, listen to the episode three. The big thing, split keyboards are great. They're great for some people. They don't work for some other people. What I'd say is that what's the most important is that the, the keyboard is flat and parallel with your elbows to the desk. I'm not an occupational therapist, nor am I a physical therapist. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. I am not a medical professional, but from my understanding, uh, it is best to be kind of uh, parallel with the table. So not wrists raised or declined. You want them as flat as possible. So I have a flat keyboard that's not split, but that works well for me. Well. On the, the topic of medical advice, we are going to give some. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give medical advice. I, I should be clear. So it, one of the things that I would tell students to do, and again, I'm not, I'm a librarian. One of the, one of the codes of conduct of being a librarian is that we help people find information, uh, but we don't tell them about areas that are outside of our expertise. So one of the things that I highly recommend for faculty, for students, especially people working from home where you're not perhaps walking around as much. Moving around is probably a good idea. I know, Chris, that you drink water regularly, so you have to regularly go fill up your water. So that kind of gets you in and out of your desk. We've talked about standing desks. I have a motorized standing desk at home. I have a tabletop Vera desk at work. Uh, those are expensive, so walking around is fine. But the big thing that I've worked through in my life that I want to 
save people the pain of having to go through the physiotherapy that I've done is to keep uh, an eye on your posture. Monitor levels should be, you know, eye level, not looking down, not looking way up. There's a couple of YouTube videos or YouTube channels that you can look at. One of them is super intense. One of them is not. The, the one that's probably best for both people is called Bob and Brad. They are two physical therapists. I believe they're in Minnesota. They upload every day. They are really reputable. They are trained physical therapists. They have a clinic and they, they happen to have a really cool YouTube channel. They give away a lot of really good advice. Uh, I'm not suggesting, by the way, that this replicates or is equivalent to going to a physiotherapist, but it, they give you a lot of really interesting information about posture and how the human body, the mechanics work. For a more intense version of that, you can go to X YouTube channel. That's Jeff Cavalier. He's also a physiotherapist. I've done some of his body weight workout programs. He's like a super unbelievably fit guy. It's he's so super intense, but he's also a physiotherapist and he talks about posture, but in a little bit different frame. Uh, posture is really important. So, you know, if you have bad posture, try to correct it, you know, go to a physiotherapist near you, if even if it costs a bit of money. Uh, there's exercises you can do that you, I do them every day. I work out, I'm a weightlifter, but I do posture exercises every day, no matter, even though I have good posture, so I maintain it because we will start to curl our shoulders from being on a computer. And I think that uh, see, seek out that posture advice from a from a proper physiotherapist or, or a professional. I'm not suggesting that I, I can give you that advice, but it, it's done a world of difference for me and I feel much better. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, this has been uh, a much longer episode than what we originally planned, but I, I, we thought it was a, a good idea just with uh, everybody getting back to school. Uh, there's going to be certain things on uh, the top of their mind, especially all of us working from home. There's uh, things that we probably need to get from an equipment standpoint. So we thought we'd go through the gamut and um, uh, just put this out as a special one. Chris, did you want to remind people how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, so you can uh, see me on my personal website. It's uh, Chris with a K, so K-R-I-S-H-A-N-S dot C-A. It has links to all my social media and so on. But uh, my Twitter handle is at Chris Hans and my company is MarketGrade, so MarketGrade.com. Yeah, and I'm Eric Christensen, so you can contact me. Uh, by going to my website, that's kind of my hub, like Chris, for everything. It's Eric, E-R-I-K, and Christensen, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-S-E-N.net. Uh, I post links there to our episodes. I, everything I do is kind of, that's the hub, uh, including my blog posts. I have a technology blog where I talk about some of the stuff that we talked about today at TechBytes. That's tech-bytes.net. You can find me on Twitter at E.G. Christensen. That's a new handle this year. I've changed it to make it slightly more professional. And yeah, go to the My About page on my website where you'll find the links to everything that I do professional-wise. All right, awesome. Thanks very much, Chris. This is a great recommendation. That's a You had a great idea to do this. I think this will be fun for people. Yeah, I think so too. All right, well, until next time. You can learn more about EdTech Examined by going to our website, edtechexamined.com. There, you'll find ways to subscribe, as well as host information, our social media accounts, and our blog posts. Our blog posts are also published through Medium 
on the EdTech Examined publication. You can contact EdTech Examined by emailing us at hey at edtechexamined.com. If you have an EdTech question you'd like us to answer on a future episode, you can email us or reach us through Twitter using the hashtag EdTechOfficeHours. You can find EdTech Examined on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at EdTechExamined, and we also have a LinkedIn page you can follow. Until next time. And I'm Chris Hong, the audio producer for EdTech Examined. You can get in touch with me and contact me through all of my social media at my website, which is chrishong.ca. That's C-H-R-I-S-H-O-A-N-G dot C-A.